All right, welcome in to RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition, pregame.com. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, man? I'm good. I think we got our my internet or whatever problem settled. I'm ready to get going. I know you guys have been waiting for me forever. Oh, no big deal. We've got nothing to do tonight except wait <laughs> on you. Uh, no, no big deal. Actually, we were just lamenting um, how Purdue uh, should die in a fire because not only did they blow, they had a 10-point lead with about, I don't know, four minutes left, feeling pretty good about things. And not only do they not cover 11 and a half, they lose outright to Rutgers. So welcome to being the number one team in the country for exactly one week is what it looks like. Well, thank you for breaking the news. I was watching that game and then uh, I guess my internet went to hell and uh, missed uh, what sounds like a pretty cool ending. Well, I if I guess if that's what you consider cool, then... <laughs> Sorry, maybe, Whatever. maybe not yeah. for everybody. If Yeah, if lighting money on fire is cool, then good for you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into, let's get into the, uh, the games. Let's, actually, let's first hit on how we did last week. Um, disparate results. I, I hit mine. We're both four and three now, so the pot is eight and six overall. I hit with Brown. They won by 20. It wasn't ever really a game. Uh, you, Tulsa, what, that was a a roller coaster ride and Tulsa started out terrible against Evansville look like or not Evansville uh LME Loyola Marymount uh, yeah Loyola it looked terrible at first then they're back in the game you're like oh man things are looking good. they start the second half off just as badly as the first half and i mean they end up losing the game it was a close game but yeah rough rough uh rough beat right there that one was a that was a tight tight match but Overall, still doing well. Mackenzie, what's our percentage? Get the calculator. Calculator out. Eight divided by 14. That is 57%. Excellent. That'll, that'll work. Uh, so let's just keep let's keep on bringing winners. That's what we're going to do here. And uh, I, I, I think we've got we've got some more for you here. But first, let's you said you, you played a future over the weekend. I did. Um, actually, I think thanks to this podcast from a long time ago, I was pretty much primed and ready. Um, just added it. Actually, I think either last night or the night before uh, the USC Trojans at 66 to one was available on bet online. Um, and that was the number we, we talked about earlier in the podcast when we, on our first inaugural episode. Um, I don't want to take too much time, but ultimately it's similar thoughts to what I said on, on, on episode one was that I really like their defense. Um, and I think based on seeing Oregon struggle early in the season, seeing USC off to an undefeated start, surviving a pretty tough game, I think at the, the Palestra or the Palouse in uh, Washington State, I, I think that there's a really good chance that USC stacks up a bunch of wins and gets a really high seed. So six six to one is uh, officially locked in. All right, man. Well, I I, I don't dislike it. I, I like that USC team. I think they're pretty strong. I watching that Washington State game, it, like this is a a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. USC. That, so I'm I'm with you on that. I, I like them quite a bit. Let's look at the games, the big games for this week, and we'll start with. Houston plus two at Alabama. What are your thoughts on the Cougs and the Tide? Come, tide coming off one of the biggest wins in program history, you've got to say. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough uh, little bounce back for them. Uh, Houston's going to bring a whole lot of defense, and Alabama's going to have to be ready for that. Uh, but I feel like we've talked about this at length, I think, already with Alabama, that they're with 
Nate Oates, they're going to try to shoot a bunch of threes um, and run and try to get you in transition. And that's, I think, the way – I'm not sure that Houston allows a lot of that, but I think that's the way you try to score efficiently against a Cougar defense that, that really won't allow you to do it. Um, I think the Tide are, are a really tough team to predict, I think, because it really depends on, on how often their three-pointers go in or, or what really they can do defensively. I think clearly the better offense is Alabama if, if both are playing well. Uh, and at home, uh, if I read that correctly on the schedule. Um, so, you know, I'm interested, uh, but I'm also, I, I don't want to undersell Houston and that defense because if Alabama doesn't have a good shooting night, which might be impacted by the Houston defense, uh, that's going to be a really tough game for them to win. Yeah, this game, I think, comes down to the pace battle. Who wins pace? And Houston obviously wants this game to be ugly, and they especially want that after seeing what Alabama did to Gonzaga. And... I think that Houston that, that they may have the the guys to do it. The the Cougar guards are much more built to slow down what Alabama does in Gonzaga. And if they can force Bama into playing some half court ball, I think they'll have a real edge. It's it's really hard for me to picture like if you watch the Bama Gonzaga game and you see you know Bama shooting 40% from 3, it's hard for me to picture them doing that against Houston. And it's really hard for the for me to picture them playing Houston even on the boards like they did Gonzaga. So I, I, I kind of like you. I think Houston might win this game outright. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's a crazy call by any stretch. Um, I think anytime you can back Houston as an underdog, they're very very attractive. I, I do think that if we're looking at range of of outcomes here, uh, Alabama shooting the lights out at home, I think are is going to be a, a, a decent possibility. And that's just something that I'm not sure the Houston offense can cope with. Uh, but I'm also not sure even below a possession, if Alabama looked good enough for me to play, I think as an underdog, I think that would be worth uh, stepping in. Uh, but I, I think we're both scared enough of the Houston team. And, and I think they're, they're incredible. Uh, so it might be a good game just to watch to kind of uh, preview what the tournament's going to look like in March. Speaking of incredible, We'll talk about a team that I'm falling in love with rapidly in Arizona. And Arizona, we're projecting plus three at Illinois. I can't really say anything bad about Arizona so far this year. They've been phenomenal. And they've they've blown out nearly everybody they've played. And I think they've actually got a really good matchup here against Illinois. They have the size to play Coburn one-on-one which nobody else really does not not quality size like this and i mean they're they're the best defensive team in the country against two pointers obviously that's what illinois wants to do they want coburn to go down there and dominate and they've got multiple quality bigs and i think that arizona is they're more reliable in the backcourt right now this turnover rate for illinois 316th in the country that's a problem and that's really going to be magnified in a game where Arizona is going to run up and down the court. This feels like another game. This feels like the game where everyone says, okay, Arizona is the real deal now. And Arizona really leaves their mark as like a, a, a legit contender, which I, I think they might be. So I, this is another spot where I'm, I might look at the dog outright here. Yeah. I mean, they were so impressive against Michigan and kind of got a good chance to go against one of the dominant premier big big men in in the country and really shut down Hunter Dickinson. I do think that there's a little bit of a difference for me based on what uh, Michigan surrounds their big guy with versus what Illinois does. Uh, And I think Illinois have enough shooters that I'm a little bit concerned 
uh, about going against them, especially with a, a pretty young Arizona team, at least young in terms of experience, I think, because they didn't get tested a lot last year, not making the tournament or or saying they weren't going to go to it or whether they're going to make it or not. And Sean Miller's last season. Uh, and speaking of Sean Miller not being there anymore, I think I'm also a little curious about their uh, their new coach. And uh, it seems like I, I think the jury's still out on him. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I think it really also depends on, on what we think about this Illinois team. Um, I don't know what you if you change your opinion really at all from the beginning. I think we, we knew it was going to be a slow start without uh, Kofi Coburn available uh, for, for all of their games. But I had a good win at Iowa. Um, and I do think it's a pretty cheap price uh, from what you're projecting on, on Arizona on the road here in, in a pretty tough environment. Yeah, I, it's it's I don't know. You're right. Big Ten teams at home are tough to go against. Certainly, I just found that out with Rutgers. Uh, so yeah. I guess we'll we'll find out. But I, I love this Arizona team. I I don't like like I said, matchup wise. I think they've got some real edges here. Well, so I'm, I'm not trying to talk you off of an Arizona lean, I guess, if I'm if I'm sounding like that, because I do like them as well. I think they've been playing really good basketball and I think better than we would expect. So it might be that there's still some value in in a, in a road game here um, before everyone's recognized that Arizona is a, a contender for the national championship. But I think this will be a good test for them. All right, let's look at Kentucky and we'll go with minus four at Notre Dame. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Kentucky. I, I watched the opener against Duke, and then I watched them play against Ohio. And I, have, I haven't seen another one of their games. So I was kind of like digging into Ken Palm on what they are, and it, it looks like a pretty standard Kentucky team. They are really good inside. They are going to dominate the glass. They can't really shoot from outside, and they don't really bother trying all that much. The difference is this is the most experienced team I remember Calipari having. The the one freshman, Ty Ty Washington, looks like he's as legit as advertised. And my guess is as the season goes on, they let him open things up a little more from outside. Uh, but Oscar Shibway is a walking rebound. And having just watched what Boston College and Illinois did to Notre Dame inside, there's no way I can look at Notre Dame here, uh, even at home. Uh, like every everybody who was six nine or above for Boston College had like the game of their career against Notre Dame. Coburn had twenty eight points uh, in that in that double digit win for the Illini. It's possible that this Notre Dame team just isn't as good as people thought it was at the beginning of the season. They've already dropped like thirty spots in Kimpom, so it. it the concerns are like losing to A and M. That's a bad look, bad look. I, I so I I'm not confident in this Notre Dame team right now, and I don't know who they've got that can really turn it on. But I, I think again, this seems like a bad matchup spot for for Notre Dame. I, I think there are a lot of bad matchup spots for Notre Dame. Honestly, um, what used to be one of the best bets I think in college basketball, especially as a home under underdog. Uh, Mike Bray hasn't had a good team since like the Elite Eight run for maybe five, six, seven years ago. I feel like they've been really, really disappointing. Uh, bottom of the ACC, which is always difficult and always tough. But I've actually been wondering if if he's going to stay at Notre Dame very long. I mean, he's, I'm sure he signed a really big deal and cashed in on uh, how well they were playing and kind of unexpectedly when I think they made an Elite Eight run a few years ago. Uh, but that's a very different team now. They seem like they're very unathletic, um, a bunch of, I think they have taller players, but 
they can't really move very well and they really struggle with athleticism, which I think Ty Ty is the perfect example of someone that might be able to run by them like for 40 minutes or 36 or 30 if it's enough of a blowout that he doesn't play the whole time. Uh, I do think Kentucky three point shooting is a big concern. It usually is with them that I thought it was going to be a lot better this year and, and back them in that opener against Duke and uh, was pretty disappointed with what they look like. I think Kellen Grady, it was a, a transfer from Davidson who seemed to be pretty good in the Davidson system, but um, I think there's, he needs a lot of help. Um, and it seems like Kentucky might be one of those teams that are going to th- survive on athleticism, even though they're not the the five-star freshmen like they usually are. Uh, I don't know that that trips them up here and at, at the Joyce Center at Notre Dame because I, I think the crowd will be good, um, as good as it can be. Uh, but I, I think Kentucky wins this game, and I just I don't think that Notre Dame are good enough for me to want to stick my my head on the on the chopping block for this one. I'm surprised, like when I saw the uh, the the possessions used on Ken Palm where Kellen Grady was, he he like he falls way down at the bottom in the nearly invisible category. Which was surprising to me. Like that's a guy, who, and he's he's shooting forty two percent from three. He's their best three point shooter. He's just not getting a lot of it. And maybe it's because they, outside of the Duke game, Ohio's not a bad team, uh, you know. But outside of those two games, it's been Robert Morris, Mount St. Mary's, Albany, North Florida, Central Michigan, Southern. It's been teams that they don't need to shoot against because, they, like, they're going to just physically overwhelm those teams. Maybe now that they, their next three games are, are Notre Dame, Ohio State, Louisville, there's going to be you know better athletes than they've been seeing. Than they've been seeing, there's going to be high major athletes on the floor. Maybe they open up the game plan a little bit, and you know losing to Duke doesn't mean that. And this team, I don't know. This team might, if they play Duke again later in the season, are you like, are you sure Duke's better than Kentucky? I, I don't really know, but. I feel like there's there's more tricks in the bag than what we've seen so far because of the week like preseasons or I guess the pre-conference schedule like cause outside of Duke they haven't played anyone in the top 100. Yeah, so I would agree that uh, the schedule's been really weak. I think Ohio are a decent team but lost their like NBA talent off of their uh, the tournament team that knocked out Virginia in the tournament last year. So, um, but I, I think their schedule's been really soft. I think that they might have an adjustment to Notre Dame. Uh, especially in a tough Rockers environment because they played all home games since the neutral Duke. So this is the first road game. That's scary um, to say the least. Uh, but I think we're going to probably be talking talking about Kentucky a lot this season because I think their lines are going to be shaded towards what the Kentucky brand name is known for. And I feel like they're a team that is like the perfect definition of matures as they get older and get through the season and play 25 games together. And they're such a different team than they were in game number nine or whatever this one is. Uh, I do feel like that team though, because there are a lot of older players or not a lot of the freshmen that are going to jump so much that they might be a team that we want to look at go about going against maybe down the line. I just don't think that Notre Dame are a team for me to do that with. All right, let's look at probably, I think this might be the best matchup on the board, uh, the Villanova Baylor game and Nova was, we're going to go Nova plus four at Baylor. Nova was really the team that came closest to, Baylor in that tournament run last year and like you could Arkansas was actually closer like final score wise but it never felt like Arkansas was going to beat Villanova Villanova had a seven point halftime lead without Colin Gillespie in the lineup so I feel like Nova's got some matchup advantages because Baylor lives on forcing turnovers 
and Villanova just doesn't give it away. And in a in what's probably going to be a close game, the the biggest glaring number that jumped out at me was one of these teams shoots seventy eight percent from the line, one of them shoots sixty five percent from the line. So in a close game, if I think if I think these teams are comparable, and I I'm not I I think Baylor's probably a little better, but four points with the team that that I know can make free throws, I, I kind of like Nova here. What are your thoughts? Uh, so. Thank you for the memory. I definitely bet Villanova in that one felt really good at halftime and then watched, I think it was Davion Mitchell, uh, literally not. I think even now then after you saying, oh, great to see Rutgers win at home against Purdue. So, what, what, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. I mean, you know, I'm glad that was only tonight, but this one's still haunting me from like eight months ago or whatever. But yeah, I think I remember Davion Mitchell uh, not letting the ball go across half court. Um, and Villanova, a team that I wasn't expecting to turn it over, still had issues with the Baylor uh, pressure. I do think that maybe Davion Mitchell is someone that uh, doesn't exist on this roster anymore, clearly, because he's he's left for greener pastures. Uh, but in looking at kind of they haven't really been tested this season, uh, and, and I'm pretty impressed by that with games against VCU, Michigan State. Um, not exactly the cream of the crop in, in college basketball this season, but I think they've been pretty dominant. Crushed Stanford as like a 15-point favorite that I was looking at potentially going against Baylor. I'm glad that I didn't. Um, but to, to kind of answer where, what you're talking about, so Villanova does have Gillespie in this matchup, probably will not turn the ball over as much. Uh, but I think we're going to be in one of those situations as we are with Villanova all the time. They're very rarely an underdog, uh, but that's always going to happen on the road where jump shots are going to be harder to make. Uh, I think if you're potentially backing Villanova here, getting four points, I think Waco's a, a decently difficult place to play. I don't know that it's very intimidating, but it's kind of like a lopsided gym that looks pretty funny. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been to a game there in person. I mean, why would you? But I, I went to see Kevin Durant way back when. Um, and it, it just seems to me that like Baylor, even though they lost so much, are kind of right where they left off last season. Uh, and I'm kind of disappointed we didn't highlight them as a potential long shot or potential future in our uh, first episode. Do you feel like the fact that we've seen Nova against, you know, high caliber competition already like, against UCLA, they go to overtime. I, I hate to make excuses. I feel like Villanova was the better team in that in that game. Uh, they wiped the floor with Tennessee. They were very competitive against Purdue. And, you know, you mentioned Baylor and the you know the VCU I mean it's a it's a nice win but I don't I don't know that they've they've really been battled to I don't know how good Michigan State is so like I feel like Villanova's this they're seeing like their fourth top 10 possible caliber team and this is the first one for Baylor yeah I I I can't disagree with that I think um there's a difference. I think this is like a very difficult schedule for Baylor in the off season or non-conference. Um, that isn't really something that's normal for them. Maybe coming off the tournament championship that they did it. And ultimately I think the, the invite tournament that they played in is, is why battle for Atlantis or whatever they did. I think that's why they even got these games in their schedule. Um, they're usually a pretty soft non-conference team. Uh, it's kind of how the, the way that, that drew does it. Uh, Villanova the opposite which I think is great for us as college basketball fans, but I also think is really important for them uh, to play big games and play tough environments. Jimmy V classic in New York city against Syracuse with like half of Syracuse, basically all coming into to NYC for that, for that game. Um, I think that's a huge, huge thing that will only pay dividends for them. Uh, so you're definitely getting the more battle tested team. And 
one that probably has a lot more cohesion because they didn't have to replace as many pieces um, as, as Baylor did. Uh, so certainly lean the points with you. Um, I, I'm interested to see where this one ends up closing. And if it trickles under under three points, I might be uh, considering Baylor as a little bit of a, um, a kind of unexpected favorite, in my opinion. Like expected to be a favorite, but I think based on what people think about Villanova, I think um, – I'm interested in potentially being against them with a really good team that I think might show up a lot later in the season. All right, let's get into best bets. We mentioned we went one and one last week. We're both four and three on the season. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. My game's from tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, and this is open now. You can get the line now. Uh, You can actually get it with some reduced juice. Murray State plus 10 at Memphis. And Memphis has now lost three straight games outright as a favorite and Penny Hardaway. I don't think he has any idea what he's doing, to be honest. He like, he's complaining about infighting in the locker room. He said, this team looks more like an AAU team. Well, I've got news for you, Penny. You're an AAU coach and you recruited a bunch of AAU players. I don't know what you were really expecting to, to happen here, and th- this should this should not be a surprise what we're seeing out of Memphis. And there's three spots where Murray can really kind of exploit this team. And I think the first one is turnovers, which surprise for an, a basically a glorified AAU team. Memphis they turn the ball over a lot. They're outside the top 350 in turnover rate. Murray is 25th in forcing them. And then transition where Murray is they're I mean they're the second best team in the country in transition. Memphis outside the top 250 in defending it. Like it, Murray gets out and runs, and they don't they don't take breaks, they don't take plays off, and, and th- these are just effort things. And then rebounding, Murray's 18th in the country in offensive rebound percentage, 37. percent Memphis is 321st in defensive rebounding, which is inexcusable for a team that has the. The, like the athletes that Memphis has. Again, it's just effort. And Memphis, they they feel like they're in real turmoil now. I think Penny talking during the week and bringing all this stuff up, I don't think, I don't think that's going to help. I don't think this is going to light a fire. And I, I don't feel like this is a team that's going to be forged by adversity anyway. So I like Murray State plus 10 at Memphis for my best bet. And they got to win by a lot. I mean, that's a tough gym to play in for sure. Crowd will be pretty nuts. Uh, Murray is one of those programs that just seem to, uh, they lose good players and they bring new ones in. You wouldn't expect it to, but it always seems to have a, a really good fan base behind it and a lot of talent. Um, it was certainly on my list when you, when you lobbed it over to me. Uh, I was disappointed that you took it, <laughs> so I couldn't <laughs> grab that one too. Um, I, I think it might be on my card as well. I think um, you're, you kind of hopped around it or, or even said it directly. I think when Penny's making comments like that, I think there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, everyone thought he was the chosen one prodigal son coming back to uh, bring them back to glory. And I just don't really see it happening. Uh, and there was a lot of high expectation for this season and they certainly are not delivering on them and they have to win by 11 points. Yeah. And they, they lost outright to Georgia. Tough. Like, it, it, like if Tom Crean's beating you, you're in trouble. <laughs> Uh, this is, and they got, they got their doors blown off by Iowa state. Like I, I watched that game. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That's when I was like, Oh, Memphis, that's what you are. And that's when, I mean, they were pushing up around top 10 in Kim Palm. Uh, they, they started the season 16th in Kim Palm. They're now 35, 
but they got up to 11, and then they just got destroyed by Iowa State. And then favored against Georgia, loss. Favored against Ole Miss, loss. Now they're favored by 10 against, a, uh, I think, a really good Murray team. And Alabama, Tennessee are their next two games. This feels like a this feels like a spot where a team that's that's fading just falls into oblivion right now. So, I, I, I like this pick quite a bit. Where are you going for your best bet? I'm going to go with the Bonnie Saint Bonaventure. Uh, they are playing on a neutral court at the Prudential Center uh, against the Yukon Huskies, who are dealing with a lot of injury trouble right now. Um, I currently. Numbers are ranging all over the place, but uh, Bart Torvik's as high as five. I think you were, you told me that we should probably use plus three on this one. Uh, there might be a little bit of adjustment due to injury because uh, Sonogo, their best big guy, has been, I think, lost for a couple weeks. Um, I, from watching their game last night with West Virginia, a pretty tough one. They played very well, but I think they're limited uh on the, on the guard play or in their backcourt and are really going to have to kind of make up for a loss that they weren't ready to handle. Uh, I'll say this, anything with St. Bonaventure as an underdog. So three all the way down to plus one, if you can get them as a dog, I'm very interested. I think Bonaventure, they certainly haven't had a perfect start to the season, uh, but ultimately returned a, a huge nucleus from last year. I think returned everybody actually. Uh, they have a great big guy in Oshunasuni inside who's great shot blocker or shot changer. And I think it's going to probably be a low-scoring, low-paced game. Um, but I like the underdog, especially uh, in that type of situation on a neutral court where I don't really know that UConn, with their current makeup, I think their three-point shooting has been better than it actually will be uh, in terms of percentage-wise the rest of the season. So I like bon- the Bonnies as a dog, as they're one of the teams that I think are going to make a run deep in this this March. Yeah, I like St. Bonaventure, too. I- I've watched them play a couple times this year, and I, I saw them play Marquette. And I was really impressed with him there. Uh, and then I think I uh, who else did I see him play? Maybe maybe I saw him play against Clemson. Yep. Uh, so I, I've seen him look good a couple times. Uh, just a one loss against Northern Iowa this year. So I, I think this is a pretty a pretty good team. I think maybe a team that I, I think you're maybe talking about a team that at the end of the year I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were a top twenty five team. Uh, I, I think that in the A ten it's probably it's probably theirs to win, uh, I guess, depending on what you think happens with Richmond. And Richmond just keeps – they keep, you know, blowing leads. It's hard for me to to imagine that there's an a, uh, uh, A-10 team that is looking better than St. Bonnie. So, yeah, I, I like the way that team is headed. Uh, and Connecticut, like you said, just dealing with a lot of key uh, injury issues right now. Yeah, I think the Bonnies. I mean, unfortunately, every loss in the A-10 looks way worse than it probably would in the Big 12 or Big East or Big 10. But yeah, yeah sure. they're a team that I, I'm certainly looking to buy. And I think as an underdog in a spot where Connecticut's going to really have to rely on some jump shots, which I think is going to be a tough thing for them. All right. Well, there we go, friends. Uh, that is another episode in the books. Griffin, appreciate you finally uh, joining us and and helping out here. I was I, I thought I was gonna have to do it by myself. It was, it was terrible. Didn't want to leave you solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might have had to have Brad tell jokes for a little while, and that would have been a total disaster. So funny guy, right? Hilarious, I must tell you, hilarious. Uh, but I appreciate you. Appreciate Brad. Appreciate McKenzie. And hopefully these these winners come through. And we will talk to you guys again on Sunday for the early weekday slate. Take care. Mm-hmm.